This Happy Podcast. I'm Tom Brana, editor of Happy. With me today is Dr. Ann Garia, a dermatologist and founder of Garia Dermatology, with offices in Rutherford and Verona, New Jersey. Thanks for joining me today, Dr. Garia. Thank you for having me, Tom. So, Dr. Garia, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in in uh, skincare space as it relates to the medical profession. Can you talk a little bit about what uh, some of the most common skin ailments you find in your practice these days? We see so many skin conditions, but in general, some of the most common ones that we see are acne, eczema, psoriasis, uh, skin cancer, uh, warts, and then other kind of cosmetic related issues like, like wrinkles and sunspots and uh, dark spots, things like that. Right. And has that lineup of of, uh, ailments changed in the past couple of years at all? I think there's more, people are more educated about these conditions. Um, And I also think in other situations, certain, um, certain aspects of life also contribute to it as well. So, so let me, let me give you like, for example, uh, with respect to eczema and dry skin, um, we see, we're seeing more of that lately because people are doing so much hand sanitizer, so much disinfectant, um, hand washing, uh, due to, uh, COVID related measures. People are still doing that. Um, especially people who work in the food industry and childcare and, um, in, in healthcare settings. So that's just one example, how, um, <clears throat> the external environment can influence skin conditions because it's, it's those procedures that are drying out the skin. And if you do that enough in somebody who's genetically predisposed, then you're going to be at risk for getting things like eczema. <clears throat> uh, with respect to other conditions, acne, dark spots, you know, uh, skin cancer, I think a lot of that has to do with just social media. There's just so much more education out there. Um, and also there's something called the Zoom effect where people are spending, um, you know, hours and hours online doing these Zoom meetings and uh, they're staring at themselves in the camera and they just kind of start seeing all the flaws and then they overanalyze them. And then they're, you know, buying these magnified mirrors. And then, uh, and that just kind of adds on to more <clears throat> kind of more critique in these areas. And so then people are coming in for something that they might've ignored a few years prior, but, but, ne- but now because they see themselves so much more uh, in the camera and then the mirror at home, because they're spending more time at home, now they're coming into the dermatologist's office to address those issues. And, you know, you mentioned a lot about, about COVID and, and people being at home alone for a while. Has does stress have anything to do with um, increasing skin problems? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, stress. I mean, behind your, behind genetics, stress, I would say is the number one issue that can influence a, a variety of conditions. We know for sure it can affect eczema, psoriasis, acne, um, it can also age you as well too. There's, there's just simply no question about it is that 
it does increase inflammation in the body and then inflammation in the body can take its toll out um, with respect to your skin as well too. So, so stress is an enormous thing. Unfortunately, people are just too quick to blame other things like, uh, you know, certainly dietary things can play a role as well too. But unfortunately, you know, stress is really the big elephant in the room that a lot of people um, have difficulty controlling. And so it's all too easy to blame, blame one specific food item, you know, as much as I would love to blame, you know, tell people, oh, you know, your, your, your skin problem is due to you eating too many pomegranates, you know, unfortunately, it's not that simple, you know, uh, that would be taking the easy way out. And, and in reality, it's a multifactorial issue. Food, of course, can play a small um, factor in, in in many many conditions, but but stress is just something that that has to be addressed. You also mentioned, uh, you know, UV protection and, and sun care. I I know that um, the number or the incidence of uh, skin cancer has actually declined in the past year or so. What do you attribute to that? And do you think it's mostly because people were staying away from the beach during COVID? I don't know if it's if it's been enough time to see that data reflected with respect to skin cancer rates um, and staying away from the beach, but I do think it is related to um, just finally after you know decades of sun protection uh, of 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 getting that message across to people, we are I think finally seeing that that is being reflected in the data that skincare rates are going down, you know, they, you know, they putting, you know, telling kids to wear sunscreen at school, you know, limiting time outside, um, building shade structures, eventually that is going to catch up and we should see a decrease in the amount of skin cancers eventually. So that's, that, that is what I believe um, is probably a direct result of that. Because I know there's a, there's so much talk in the U.S. We need more uh, sunscreen filters like uh, they have in Europe and and, and other places. Uh, is there any particular sunscreen ingredient that you like over others? Yeah. So since I live in the world of dermatology and a lot of my patients have very sensitive skin, um, whether it's rosacea or eczema or allergies. So I... Most dermatologists would tend to prefer mineral sunscreen, so um, you know, which are mainly zinc oxide and titanium dioxide, um, and and among those, those can be either tinted or untinted. Um, the tinted ones are better for olive tone to darker skin types. Um, so, so it 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 goes on like a brownish color, uh, and and. I like that some guys find it to be a little bit, you know, like a almost like a concealer. So we so we don't see a lot of men liking it, um, but 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 I think they're very useful products. The untinted products are fine as well too. The issue is is that in darker skin types, they can show up like a very white cast on the skin. So I typically um, uh, advise against that for darker skin types. Keeping the conversation on um, ingredients, you talked about eczema and psoriasis. What OTC products or ingredients do you recommend to your patients and, and what do you like about them? With eczema, I think it's very important to address two things. Number one, the impaired skin barrier. You know, that's a super hot topic right now. 
Uh, and then number two, address the inflammation. So there are, <clears throat> with respect to skin barrier, there, there's really so much that can be done. I mean, um, pet, just regular old petrolatum is one of, you know, it's found in many, many over-the-counter emollients. Uh, you know, whether it's CeraVe healing ointment or Aquaphor or Vaseline, uh, there's a reason why it is, you know, one of the dermatologist's favorite ingredients. Uh, that's really going to be the go-to, especially if the skin is very, very irritated or has cuts, uh, cracks, things like that. You know, unfortunately, you can't use creams and lotions in those situations because it just burns too much. Anything that's white uh, will tend to have preservatives in there. And it's the preservatives in there that will cause an immediate burning sensation in these really acutely flared up cases of eczema. Um, so, 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 so we talked about petrolatum for sure, for, for the really the, the very, very severe cases. But for most cases, you know, creams are just fine. You know, I tend to tell people to stick towards creams rather than lotions. It just, it just has a thicker consistency. And there's really a lot of ingredients, you know, um, you know, dimethicone is a protectant, skin protectant. Um, uh, what else? Oatmeal, uh, you see a vino you know, really leaning in to the oatmeal, um, having an anti-inflammatory effect. Um, uh, even CBD as well can help inflammatory conditions. Uh, that then that goes for eczema and psoriasis. Um, what else? Um, uh, certain ingredients, uh, other over-the-encounter ingredients, uh, cholesterol, ceramides, free fatty acids, those three right there. You see SkinCeuticals with the triple lipid repair that, you know, it's one of their best-selling products. Um, you see some, you know, other companies trying to imitate that, but they have a great product when it comes to that. Um, and that that's really just kind of replacing that skin barrier. So, so, so when it talks about skin barrier, we're talking petrolatum, we're talking about replacing the ceramides, cholesterol, free fatty acids, and we're talking about the dimethicone. Um, another thing as well can be something like vitamin B5, um, which is, uh, you, so you see that with the uh, Cicaplast, the little Roche-Posay product. Uh, that's another product that can have um, skin protection, anti-inflammatory effects. Speaking of anti-inflammatory effects, you may also want to consider hydrocortisone. Uh, that, that's a topical steroid. It's the only avail one available over the counter. And then the CBD also can have, can have a role as well too. You mentioned that you're seeing a lot of um, compromised skin barriers. What's, what's causing the, them to be compromised? Well, you know, it's it, it's usually a combination of of nature versus nurture. So it's you know, you're there are some people who are born with a genetic defect in a, a protein called filaggrin, and that that has been shown to be uh, defective in a, a substantial number of patients who have eczema. And so that is, um, so that that's one thing right there that impairs the skin barrier. And that's just responsible for making your skin cells. Um, it's, it's responsible for aggregating keratin filaments in the skin cells, which is basically something that is important for maintaining hydration. Um, uh, another thing that, so that that's just one example of, of one thing 
that 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 just internally can do it just genetically speaking i mean and then and then you have to look at the external vi- environment so it's good basically things that we're putting on the skin or doing to our skin so things like taking you know long hot showers plays a definite role you know i i typically recommend to patients limiting showers to no more than 10 minutes uh and trying to use you know warm water to modestly hot, but, but really trying to avoid scalding hot water. Um, and then other things, like I said before, you know, frequent hand washing, uh, frequent hand sanitizer, uh, all of those things add up. Also, if you're using the wrong kind of soap, if you're using things like Irish spring lever 2000, very kind of harsh soaps, um, uh, any kind of soaps that have, um, a lot of sulfates in there, all of those things, uh, even a lot of bar soaps actually, other than dove will tend to be pretty, uh, drying on the skin. So, so th- those are really the things you got to look out for. Is there anything people should do internally to protect their skin? I mean, is there anything they can eat that or stay hydrated to make their skin better? I mean, the main thing is drinking enough water. I think, you know, that's easier said than done, but that, that, that's really the main thing, drinking enough water, avoiding, you know, you know, trying to, um, certain diuretic substances can, can play a role. Like, you know, so if you're just drinking coffee all day, we know that's a little bit of a diuretic. So that tends to dehydrate us. So for every cup of coffee you drink, make sure you drink a cup of water, um, but, but it, it, I wouldn't say necessarily it's food that's going to hydrate us. I mean, certainly there are some foods that have more water content, like watermelon, for example. Um, but I think it's just good old fashioned drinking enough water. That's really the most you can do from an internal standpoint. And finally, what can, uh, OTC product manufacturers do to better help your patients? I think the main issue is, is that, Consumers get overwhelmed very easily. And, you know, like you, for example, you just go to Target and it's just like the skincare aisle is just enormous. And so, and and then each brand has so many other, so many offerings. And I, and I think really one of the main things is to simplify the regimen. I mean, to just simplify your offerings, um, that that I think can be very, very helpful because uh, what what happens there's this thing called analysis paralysis where um, consumers just see so many things they don't know which one to get, and they just end up they get overwhelmed and they just leave. They just leave the skincare aisle and they just don't end up getting anything. So let's just try to simplify things as much as possible. Okay, uh, fewer products are better. Um, the other thing is, is to have high quality before and after pictures. Now, obviously you can't put that on the packaging, but if you can put that on, on a website, that would be very helpful. Um, you know, good lighting, you know, standardized photography, uh, everything needs to be, you know, the same before and after, but, but I think, I think pictures speak a thousand words. So if you can, if you can get some good quality, before and after photos, I think um, I, I think that that is really quite convincing to patients. Um, the other thing is, you know, studies proving efficacy. I know it's expensive to run studies, but uh, I can assure you that you know it will it, it goes a long way with patients if they know something has been studied, even if it's a small study. Um, and then the next thing is to. Um, 
Be be realistic when it comes to expectations on when patients can expect results. Um, so put that on the box, I think, because I think there's just too many products out there where just people have no idea when to expect results. They're used like, for example, you know, they're using Adapalene, uh, which is an over-the-counter uh, acne product, and they think it's going to work in a couple of days when in reality, it takes about three months to work. Um, or, you know, things like, like topical steroids or, or, um, other things, vitamin C, glycolic acid. Uh, so, so we really want to, we really want to really give people a good idea as to when we can expect results. Okay. Or, or, or how long the person should even use it for, or when should a person stop and see a dermatologist if they're not seeing results? I think all of those things um, will be helpful. So let me uh, just follow up with one more question. Um, so what do you, what would you tell your patients who have, you know, don't have any particular skincare problems like psoriasis or eczema? What is your regimen that you recommend a simple regimen to take care of their skin to, so they don't get overwhelmed by um, all the products and, and things that they read on the internet? Yeah, that great question. So I think it really depends like what stage of life we're in, like like age wise. But I think <clears throat> for most people, I think really the foundation of it is sunscreen. It's never too late to start using sunscreen, uh, whether it's mineral or chemical, whichever one you prefer that that we know that sun exposure is the main driver of um <clears throat> of uh, dark spots and wrinkles as well as skin cancer. So it's going to be in everybody's best interest to do that. Um, the second thing is a vitamin C serum. Uh, that's going to help with uh, neutralizing free radicals from environmental exposure, whether it's pollution also as well as sun damage. Um, and so vitamin C serum is, is very helpful as well. Also, it has a role in addressing dark spots and, um, and collagen production. Uh, another thing is retinol. We know retinol is the, you know, you know, the all time most effective anti-aging ingredient. You know, I typically recommend everybody over the age of 30 use a retinol. Um, there's no skincare ingredient in existence that has more anti-aging data with respect to retinol. So the, you know, the only, only downside to it is it can be a little bit irritating to the skin, especially when you're talking about the prescription, uh, uh, retinoids. So I, I typically recommend starting out over the counter. Um, and, and then if you can tolerate that, then, then eventually we can consider doing a prescription. Um, what else? So we talked about sunscreen, vitamin C, uh, retinol. So yeah, so the idea behind retinol is to address, um, some uh, uneven pigmentation, fine lines, wrinkles. It's it's just doing some of the similar things that vitamin C does, um, but but it just has more data. Let's put it that way. Um, and it's also not an antioxidant. It, it it's really a collagen stimulator. Um, another thing, yeah. So so I think that those are really the three fundamentals to a skincare regimen, and and you're probably better off spending money for good products, higher quality products, and not you know, just trying to get bargains with respect to those specific ingredients. Um, whereas things like face washes and moisturizers, I think, 
you don't necessarily need to spend a lot of money for it. Um, you know, in certain situations, it's different, but, but, but those, um, you know, it can be, you know, depending on your skin type, you know, if you are an oily skin type, we typically recommend foaming cleansers. If it's more of a sensitive skin type, then hydrating cleansers, you know, things without sulfates, um, things that don't really uh, bubble up a lot. Uh, that, you know, so, so sulfates are surfactants that can help, you know, really remove the oil from the skin. So we really want to avoid doing that in products that are labeled as like for rosacea or for sensitive skin. Um, and, and moisturizer. So moisturizer, you know, is one of those ingredients that, um, especially for men, I think it really appeals to them because men just want ultra simple regimens. So a lot of moisturizers come with SPF already in there. So it's a two-in-one product. You can kill two birds with one stone. You have the moisturizer and the sunscreen. Men typically love those products. Um, and those are usually chemical um, sunscreens, but that's fine. You know, anything that's going to, anything that is the, that's going to um, make them, you know, use the products is very, very useful. So, so I, that's, that's where I think people can probably save money is moisturizers and face wash. But the other three, I think it I think it helps to invest and and buy buy high quality products. Oh, that's great insights. Thanks, Dr. Garia, and I appreciate the time. Yes, thank you very much for having me, Tom. You've been listening to a happy podcast. Listen to the entire happy podcast series at happy.com or wherever you get your podcasts.